Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Grow Yourself. This is episode 12. Um, I'm trying not to laugh because there was some things going on behind the scenes that, and I'm just trying to keep a face, my, my face here, my guest, I see her laughing at me as well, but uh, I'm not going to tell you the secret. But listen, welcome. I have a very special guest here today. And, uh, but I want to start off with just a couple of things and mention this, the idea that we're going to speak about today. And it has to do with uh, self-confidence and happiness. Now, my guest is going to help us draw you know, sort of the connection between those two things. But I want to talk about confidence just for a minute before I introduce her, because it is something that uh, I would say many people struggle with, certainly on a number of different levels. I struggled when I was uh, a young boy and especially, and I think I may have mentioned this in an earlier story that when I was growing up, I wanted to be a musician and an entertainer and and do all these and become a superstar. And then when I graduated from high school and moved to this area, to the Nashville area, I realized very quickly that I didn't have what it takes. And, you know, part of that was, was self-confidence. And it was such a blow to me that later on when I joined the military and started performing with the Air Force and then in other bands, uh, I really, really struggled with self-confidence. But one of the things that happened to me over the course of my, especially my younger life in my early 20s, is I started, I had such great passion about a, a variety of things, but, inter, but, but I want to stick with entertainment for a moment because this is how I grew up, just wishing I could be an entertainer. But I had greater passion. I learned that I had greater passion than I did fear and and confidence problems. And so what I started doing is I would develop just enough confidence that I would step to the edge and I would jump. And even though I was not confident, let's say when I say jump, that means take a step forward, get in, you know, get on stage and perform. I mean, my, my mind was a wreck physically. You could see that I was nervous, but, but the first time that that happened, I realized I survived it. <laughs> and so I did it again and I did it again and I did it again. I just let my passion overcome my fear and my lack of self-confidence. And so I became more confident as we went along, not because I necessarily felt like I got better at what I was doing, but because I realized that I could survive, that I could I could get on the stage and and do a pretty good performance. And so over time, I realized that sometimes you just have to take the leap and have faith despite your fear, despite your lack of self-confidence. You have the faith that you're going to land on your feet. And the more you do that, then the more confident you become. However, that's when great things start happening. You know, you, you have to have a certain amount of skill to do anything. I mean, you have to have some skill to become confident. But my point is, is that so many times that it's the confidence that gets in the way that stops people from uh, becoming an entertainer or uh, going to school, to university or whatever the case, or, or, or living an, an exciting life, you see. And so that's what my guest and I are going to speak about today. We're going to put it a little bit more in the context of women, 
because she has done a lot of work with women, but it doesn't, it's not exclusive to women. Um, I will also say that as a coach, as a leadership coach and a soft skills coach, it's probably more than 50% of the people that I work with struggle with confidence in some form or fashion. Now, again, the fact that you, one, somebody lacks confidence is not the most amazing thing in the world. We all lack confidence to some degree in one area or the other. But what we're kind of really talking about here is maybe more having confidence to live your life the way that you would like to live it. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So let me introduce my guests. Um, she, she, she's an inch, and, and you're you're gonna you're gonna get a big dose. I see you're laughing off screen here. You can you're gonna get a big dose of confidence here in just a second. But Manuela Leonard is her name. She is actually the assistant to the mayor of Zurich, and that is yes, Zurich, Switzerland. And she's been doing this for ten years. She works. Uh, for the city of Zurich, for she's worked for the city of Zurich for almost 17 years. A few years ago, she started to share pictures, uh, just these beautiful pictures. And I, I got to tell you, she is an absolute marketing machine. <laughs> she puts out the most beautiful pictures of Zurich. I mean, and it's constant. There's a steady stream. Sometimes I go to LinkedIn just to see what she posted in terms of the pictures. And, and of course, this time of year, it's absolutely stunning some of some of the things so in any event so she started posting these beautiful pictures and of of the of scenes of within zurich but also sort of the moods and as a result she you know you could almost call her an influencer on social media now she's gained over sixty thousand followers on linkedin on instagram and on facebook and it's just it's really amazing and i i hope you will connect with her and enjoy some of the pictures so but in any event before joining the the city of zurich uh, she flew as a uh, maitre d' uh, cabin for Swiss uh, International, which is wonderful. And she ran a hotel in Zurich prior to that. Manuela is the mother of four. Now they're 25 to 39. And I got to tell you, if you can raise four kids, I mean, that's going to that's right there is enough to, you know, make you a superstar when it comes to being confident. And uh and she now lives on her own. So she's an active networker. She also enjoys exchanges with people from all over the world. And I would imagine in her role that she is really, in, you know, even though she's the assistant to, to, to the mayor of Zurich, you know, one would think it's, it's even in her role is a bit of a diplomatic role in, in what she does. And we'll ask her about that. But here's the other thing. If that isn't enough, she is also a coach and a mentor and a speaker. She speaks a lot on uh, women empowerment issues, but a whole host of other things, including leadership. So this is probably one of the busiest uh, people on the planet. And I would like to uh, give a wonderful welcome to Manuela Leonard. Manuela, welcome. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for being with us here on uh, Grow Yourself. That's my pleasure. Thanks very much for the invitation. The pleasure is mine. You know, first of all, let me just ask, how are things going in Zurich and in Switzerland relative to COVID and all those sorts of things? Are you all, I mean, everybody's having protests, so we already know that's happening. But just generally speaking, how, how are you all doing there? We're doing fine so far, although the COVID situation is increasing to the worse right now. Um, we'll see what's going to happen. We're still, everything is open. We don't have lockdown. 
we have uh, more strict mask measurements again, but uh, yeah, the government is checking every second day and we will see if there's gonna be changes for next week or not, I don't know yet. Wow, yeah, that's it's amazing. So anyways, well, listen, if you would share with the audience, maybe just a little bit about your life, your background, where did you grow up in Switzerland? You know, just tell us a little bit about who Manuela is. Well, Manuela grew up in a restaurant in East Switzerland. Hmm. So meaning at my age, I'm 56 now, growing up in a restaurant meant that you grow up by working. So all I did was by the time going to school, go home and work, going to school, doing an apprenticeship, go home at work. And yeah, that's about how I grew up. Just really like working, working, working. That's the most important in life. That's what my parents kind of showed me by then. And um, yeah, then I went to Canada to study some English. Then I came back to work in a hotel by the airport because my biggest dream in my girl's life was to become a flight attendant for Swissair. Well, by then Swissair still existed. So, but what did I do? I came back and the first guy I met in Zurich, I fell in love and a year later I got married to this guy. <laughs> so then um, I also became a mother very young by 21 and by 27, I had four children. Wow. I had four children, a husband, a hotel in Zurich, everything. But actually my girl's dream wasn't fulfilled at all. So I became a flight attendant by the age of uh, 32 when my youngest son came to kindergarten. And then finally, finally, my dream was fulfilled. And for seven years, I flew all over the places, especially Europe. I did some very special trips in Asia and everywhere. I really enjoyed that. So then by 40, I actually landed, hard landing in Zurich, and then I joined the government. I worked for the city administration. So that was really a tough change, actually, because I had so much fun being a flight attendant up in the air and being there and here and everywhere. So um, I started almost 17 years with the city of Zurich, and I still enjoy it now. Very, very interesting. So tell me about then the transition from, you know, I, I suppose on the one hand, as a flight attendant, you gathered some very good social skills, right? Obviously you have to interact with the people and yes. you're meeting a lot of different people. So I suppose that lent itself to the work that you do now uh, as, as an assistant and uh, working for the city, but, you know, but it's not like you went from one administrative job to another administrative job. I mean, you went from flight attendant to administrative assistant. And so, you know, I would imagine that you had to build some confidence there. What gave you the confidence to step up and do something so significant? Again, it wasn't maybe that you were, you know, working in the finance office somewhere behind. You are now very upfront and personal. I think um, that best thing about this change was the boss I had ah. because he said, Manuela, are you going to come and work for me? Because we know we have known each other for a long time. 
him and his wife had five kids. We had four kids. We spent a lot of time together and he was looking for an assistant. And he knew that I was going to quit flying. And then I told him, well, I can't do that. I haven't been working in an office for over 20 years. I don't have these modern skills and everything. And he's like, no, Manuela, you are socially, you're so empathic. You can do that as a human being and I will show you the rest. So wow. this boss actually hired me as his assistant uh, for cultural affairs for Zurich. And he totally step by step, he got me into what I actually had to do. And he just, he trusted me that I was this human being that I really wanted to learn everything and become a good uh, assistant for him. And he was obviously so right because after two years, I became the deputy assistant of the former mayor. And then the, my boss now, the mayor, she's the mayor of Zurich for almost 13 years now. When she started to uh, be the mayor of Zurich, she came to me right after three months. And then she said, Manuela, if uh, my assistant now is going uh, to get retired, are you going to be my assistant then? And then, of course, yes because I didn't need a CV, I didn't need anything. It was just me and she trusted me from the very beginning. And so that's how my way went. Took another two years until the other assistant got retired and then I took over almost 11 years. That is, what a great story. And you know, and it, it's so linked to this idea of confidence that we're talking mm -hmm. about. But before that, I just want, want to ask, when you come from the airplane after how many years did you say? Only seven years. Well, seven years, that's quite a bit. And then you're suddenly sitting at the desk. Did you just go, okay, oh, you, what now? I was always looking out like, where are the planes? <laughs> where are the planes? <laughs> well, you know, they say this, and you, you're aware of this, doing some of the work that you've learned about. There's, There are many books out there, but I think Jim Collins, who wrote the book From Good to Great, was one of the first that talked about getting the right people on the bus meaning the right people in the organization or in the department. And he also talked about, but others spoke about this, that what was most important was that you hire for attitude, not necessarily skills, and that if the person has the right attitude, they can acquire the skills. And that sounds like it fits squarely into when you were hired. Yeah, that's true. That's what I say about hiring people. Look out for the people and the human beings they are, they might bring a stock of skills, of course, but all the rest they can't, they will learn for sure because you hire the right people. And these days I realize you have to bring a bunch of certificates, like 20 certificates and this and that, but they never bring it like as a human being. There's so much lacking to being a boss, to being a leader. And that sometimes really screws my heart. I'm like, my God, what are all these people doing? Mm -hmm. And really, I appreciated that boss so much because he was so right. Look out for the right people, learn them the skills, and you have the best people there. Now, he is retired for 10 years now, this boss. And I know from people outside in Zurich that he tells everyone, I just have to let you know, I was the one who hired Manuela and she's such an asset wow. to Zurich now, he tells everyone. So it's really hard 
touching. So it's really wow. nice of him. What a great, what a great, there could be no better compliment than for someone to stand up and say, yeah. I want you to know I was the one that hired that person. So Manuel, definitely, if you can recall, then, you know, what, you know, what did you learn about yourself most relative to your confidence or what you needed to do to develop the confidence to be as strong as you are and now to be there for 17 years? So when you first moved into this position and then the next position, what did you learn about yourself, especially dealing with confidence? Well, especially dealing with that, you know, I have to say that as soon as I started this job uh, at the mayor, um, I got into the flow of getting divorced. So that was for me, was pretty hard for me because I had this new job. I had a lot to learn. I had to work many hours and at home, everything was kind of rocked up. So it was a tough time for me, but uh, I'm glad I went through it. So I left my husband then. I got divorced very quickly. And then I thought, and then with at the age of 47 the first time in my life i lived on my own so that was really really special to me and i thought wow that's kind of a meaning that means something and i have to find out what does this mean so it took me a few years of struggling and not knowing what do i want now how do i want to live now want to stay do i want to be alone or what do i want to do and then after four years of living in this, well, you know, it's like a fish in the water, you're here and there and everywhere. I thought, no, actually that's no good for me. So I discovered this uh, further education as a systemic coach. And I thought, yes, one day when I get mm -hmm. retired or when I get a little bit older, maybe I don't stay with the city for that long. I thought uh, I want to work with people. So I registered for this further education to become a systemic coach. What I didn't know is when you do this education, you have to go through all these processes by yourself with your own experience. And mm -hmm. to me, I realized that although I left my husband and I finished this marriage after 28 years, I was not over it. There was still stuff left inside me and mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out what it was. So actually doing a further education and cleaning up the drawers of your own life at mm -hmm. the same time, that was a really, really intense time. Yeah. And I'm really glad I did this. Took me two years, this further education took me two years to clean up my life, like to clean up all the drawers and everything. And then I realized um, now there's a transformation with me. So now all this self-esteem, everything just really came out. It kind of was on the surface all my life long, but I always had these negative beliefs about me that I wasn't good enough and all this kind of stuff from my childhood. So now I overcame all these things. And now it's funny because it's like really, as you described your situation, it's like now all the doors are open, all the gates are open, all the people are coming up to me, everybody wants something from me. It's like I'm a magnet to people 
because I truly believe in myself and I truly believe I can do anything. So it's really interesting, this transformation takes a little while, but it's still growing. It's with these values that I regained, they are still growing. And yeah, I live a very happy life on my own and I really enjoy it. That's fabulous. And we're and, and I'm going to ask you about that connection between happiness and confidence. But you hit on so many different things that I want to ask you about. The first question is, though, you said that you went through your divorce and then you said, I'm glad I went through that. What do you mean by that? Because I was afraid to do that because um, I didn't believe in myself, like in my deep conscious that I could manage that. And I just knew somehow I have to go through this and I have to manage this. I didn't know how to do that by then, but I'm glad I did it because I would, if I didn't do that, uh, I would never be at the point that I am right now. And I needed that change in my life. And for that, I had to leave my husband for his better good and for my better good. And that's why I say, I'm glad I did it. Wow. So, yeah. It's interesting to see after, you know, you only understand your life after you never understand before and you never know what to do and how to handle in before, but after all the explanation comes automatically. They, the explanations come automatically. What, what a fascinating statement. Now I'm, I have to admit, I'm getting a little nervous because I'm about to be married for 35 years, but I think my wife is listening to me now and she may be thinking, you know, <laughs> I I may need I may think about this transformation. So, um, hey, sorry, I can give you a coaching if you have a problem. So all is going to be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> that is too good. So, but now let me so let me see. You know, can you talk a little bit about this? Let, let me back up a little bit. So I don't know, even if you realize, I wrote a book on major life transitions. It's called The Gap Between Two Worlds. And the, the subtitle is, you know, is, is essentially talking about, you know, learning from your difficult transitions in life. And you really just spoke about it so well, because the big premise or the big one of the big ideas with the book is that is that it is in the gap. It is in the transition. It is in the struggle where the growth takes place. And you just said that. You know, mm -hmm. that you have to sometimes go through this. What happens when you're going through this, though, in your mind, in your head? What is happening that causes the beginning of this transformation? It's a big mess. You are yourself are a big mess. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of uh, a lot of hate, a lot of anger. A lot of all the feelings together and you have no clue anymore where to put all these feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's good because that's the moment where all this bad stuff comes out of you. That's the moment where deep down yourself, you realize how you lived your life and what happened in your life. You realize why you had negative beliefs about yourself. And then all of a sudden, you understand why a lot of things happened in your life. They could have never happened differently uh, when you were that person. They could have been different if you were the new, new you. 
but mm. before that's just the way it had to go so then it's really it's uh, eye opening it's really mind opening and then you know all of a sudden you get so calm calm because you understand your life and then it's just so totally different it's so hard to um mm. describe because there are so many feelings and first really when the transition is it's a it's a hard time but then it gets better and better and then it's just getting so great and it's getting so amazing like you know i have such an amazing life now i'm so grateful for my past life for everything in my past life the good and the bad and i would have never said that nine years ago i was so angry at everything and everyone and although i made this decision but now i'm so grateful for everything and that's the most important that gives you a lot of freedom and peace in your life so it sounds like you're saying that the first step and and of course it can be different depending on the transition right to get to this level of happiness and confidence but let's assume that it's a a difficult place or difficult transition that you're making the first thing is for all the stuff to come out to get on the table right so now and i'm using this sort of as a as a as a i guess you could say a me metaphor now you're looking at all the problems you're looking at the mess as opposed to the mess just being here and you some of it you don't even know is there some of it uh, you know it's there but you don't know what to do about it and it's all together and so the first step is getting it out of your head onto the table is is that fair to say that's fair but you know it's not even like the head because human beings are driven by feelings everyone thinks that you need a super brain to have a great life hmm. no you you have to be able to feel your feelings that's the most important like we are driven by feelings and all the people forget about that so you i don't know how many people you know who are super brains but they are so chaotic in life they cannot even manage their housekeeping and everything that's so really funny and i know all these really deep feeling people they are so heartwarming they are so totally different so those are the ones who live with their feelings and so many people live with their mind but they're not happy or they are funny people or what kind of people ever they are so it has to get out of your deep conscious all these bad stuff and that's why you work in dimensions you go deeper and deeper and deeper until you get to the ground and there's usually all the stuff you can't remember anymore but all our life all what we did and all what we had in life is in our deep conscious but there you can find everything and there you also find the stuff that breaks you there you find that stuff that stops you and then you can transform these things and that's very important to do that wow. especially when you struggle in life yeah how do you know how do you know when you've got to the bottom of it all when you're I mean, is there an answer to that or you just know? Well, when you got to the bottom, you are really, really deeply connected with yourself, actually. Then there's only just kind of the world and you. Then you know you hit the bottom. And that's very, very, there's, uh, we also do this in metaphors. So that's really interesting to see then. You know, some some can do that better and some, 
people can't go that down deep. They can't, they just can't manage that, but that's okay. There's only two or three dimensions is really okay. It's just when you really hit the bottom, that's really like, wow, I made it. So um, yeah, everyone is different. Are there actually words, Manuela, for these dimensions or are there, are there, it's just a concept in your head about that you have to go through some dimensions or do you have specific no, ideas? It's not- it's not a concept, actually. It's the it's the model of the coaching that I learned. Actually, mm. it's called the the coaching model of the Saint Gall. That's uh, actually Saint Gallen. That's a city in Switzerland, mm. and they put a few different uh, coachings together. It took them eleven or twelve years to figure out this model how it works and if it works. That's really, really interesting. I'm reading a lot of studies now about this coaching model because I really want to become closer with this uh, when I want to start working as a coach. And it's really, really interesting. I'd love to learn more about it myself and maybe I can, after the show, get the exact ideas about it and then maybe pursue some sort of, um, you know, see if there's some, English versions uh, to be able to understand this more. I actually called um, the school that I did this further education and oh, I ordered. Um, it's the same links that you sent me? Yes, but you know, yeah. actually, I ordered the English manual. Wow. So I will get you some stuff in English so you can understand it much better then. Sounds fascinating. I've been coaching a long time and has never heard of this. It sounds really, yeah. really good. Okay. It's very interesting. So let me ask you then, um, there's a couple of questions that I, that I want to mention. First of all, Manuela, in your mind, what does it mean to be confident, to be self-confident? What is, how do you describe that? To be self-confident, that means in your inside and for yourself, you think positive about yourself. You don't have any doubts and, and you are honest and straight. A lot of people say something and they don't mean it. And when you are a coach, I'm sure you can do that too. You know right away, this is a bluff. I mean, oh my God, what is this person telling? And you can tell because 80% of what we do is body language. 20% is verbal language. So if somebody says something, you can tell right away if that's a lie, if that's bullshit, if it's whatever, but you find it out. Not all the people can do that. A lot of people believe people like that. Yeah, That's the bad thing about life because people can't difference make a difference between the, the real ones and the fake ones. And, um, but that's mostly of it. You believe positively about yourself. And why I say that, I talked to you about this before. It's especially women who have a lot of negative beliefs about themselves. It's especially my generation grew up like, well, you, when I was a little girl, you can't do that. You are a girl. You are too small to do that. Girls don't do that. Only boys do that. There's a lot of things we got to hear as children and they are manifested in mm. ourselves. Yes. And so whenever we want to do steps or we want to have something, we might go a lot of steps ahead, but then maybe right around the corner, we doubt about ourselves. 
we doubt ourselves and think, no, maybe I can do that. Maybe, you know, whatever. And then we express this because whatever you think, you express. If you think negative, you express negative. Uh, if you think positive, you express positivity. So that's really something people have to learn in life. And for me, that's about self-confidence, self-esteem is you have to believe in yourself. So and you, you know what? That doesn't mean that you walk around and tell everyone I'm the best and I know it best and I can do it best. That's arrogance. No, yes. You just know it for yourself. I can manage whatever comes and I can handle whatever I really want to handle. You know, I love that you said that because th there is sometimes some who have a misunderstanding about the difference between being self-confident and being overly confident or being arrogant. And as a matter of fact, when I see someone who's arrogant or who has to say, look at me, look at me, look at me, it's almost always a sign that they're not confident. That's what I say. That's what it is. If somebody has to double check you that how good he is, then you know he's such a loser. Then you can just walk away because with this guy, no way, forget it. And um, they don't realize this because they don't know themselves so well. So for me, for me now, it's really, really interesting to be with people, you know, and I'm always, I just want to be the person who listens, but I'm always falling in this coaching role for myself. You know, I'm always doing these studies on the people, like what they say and how they move and everything. And I always have to laugh about myself. I'm like, I can't, I just can't leave it. <laughs> well, and I would also suggest to you, uh, as I think you are saying to me, that that I think that a person's ability to laugh at themselves is a sign of self-confidence, you know. Definitely. Because Definitely. you don't you don't feel like you can you have to be right about everything, or you know, and we I think we sort of talked about this a little bit in the in our pre-discussion, you know, was just a little bit about the ego, that the ego when when you grow up with this baggage or this unworked chaos that's in your mind, you don't, you haven't gotten it out of your head. It starts to, the ego gets in the way and begins to uh, protect you yourself from, from all the outside forces. So you, you walk into a meeting and maybe you're a little bit late and everybody else is already sitting there. And I like to say that people with big egos, what happens is that when they step into the meeting room, the first thing that appears is the ego. Then the person appears. So the ego is like, oh, they're looking at you. You, you know, you need to say something so that you're not embarrassed. Uh, you make something up, lie, do whatever you have to do to not look stupid. And this is this is often people with unresolved issues inside. Correct. Correct. Very correct. So, Very correct. And a lot of people walk around like this all their lifelongs. And yeah. um, I would say that it's the people, you know, I always wondered why is that book one of the most sold books uh, in the world that says seven things that people re did regret the most when they almost when just before they died. And I said, no, you live your life every day that 
when you die tomorrow, there's no regrets anymore. I love that. Maybe I only regret that I missed a party, but I never regret anything else. So for me, it's all fine. (laughs) So we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but let me just ask more, um, just a little bit more about why people in general lack confidence. What are the ideas behind there? Maybe besides the fact that they grew up, you know, being told negative things or other other sorts of things. What kind of things do you run into as to why people lack confidence? I think, especially these days, people always compare themselves with other people. And I always tell all the girls I know, I always tell them, like, you know, there will always be a much more beautiful woman around the corner. There will always be a woman who makes more money than you. There will always be a woman that has anything that you don't have, but that doesn't care. Just be happy with what you have. And if there's something that you really, really want in your life, then work for it. Anybody can do that. If you want something, you work for it, you save the money, you buy it or whatever. But you know, it's like all the people want materials. Everybody wants a big house, a big car. Everybody wants everything, but nobody wants to clean up inside to become a happy human being. And there's a funny thing that I always tell friends of mine, you can watch people who are married for a long time and then they get into a crisis in their marriage, what most of us all do. And what they do then, they totally renovate their house or their apartment. They buy new furnitures. They make everything nice and beautiful outside. And then they sit there and they realize we're still not happy. Yeah, wow. because you really have to clean up inside first. Wow. Decorate your own soul first. So that's very interesting to watch. Wow. Did you say decorate your own soul first? Yes. Wow. You decorate okay, so your own soul. My wife. So, so, honey, so we are happy, so we don't need new furniture, okay? Manuela said so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so okay so now you you brought this up which was actually my next question in your mind what is the connection i mean you know maybe there's some obvious things there but what is the connection between you know confidence or self confidence and happiness what you know draw some ideas there for us you know one comes with the other automatically if you have this self confidence then it's just like everything is cleaned up inside yourself. Like I say, like, because that's why I always say it like this, I cleaned up the drawers of my life. I took every single drawer out, like ex-husband, family, children, friends, uh, relatives, work, hobbies, everything. You take it out and you clean it up. You take out what you don't need anymore who you don't want to be together with anymore. And then you put in there what you still want and you put it back. And Mm -hmm. at the end, you have this whole drawer and everything is nicely cleaned up. And then it makes sense to you because then it makes you happy. Very interesting. Uh, We have uh, someone here who says that she totally agrees. I know who that person is. And she 
has done some things to build some confidence in her life as well. Um, so, okay, that's interesting. So where does someone start then? Um, you know, where does a woman start? Because we're, I guess, you know, it, this applies to everybody. Listen, we already know that. But again, I know that you interact and you mentor women and they speak with you about these things. So, you know, you have a bunch of crap in your head and in your life and in your soul, if you will. Where do they start to, you know, begin this process of cleaning out the drawers, as they say? You know, it's when you want to coach someone or when I talk to my friends, actually, I can always practice with my friends because everyone has some issues. And then I always ask them, what do you think is your struggle? Like, is that is there a goal that you would like to reach, but you can't reach it? Um, can you see the problem that you have because you can't reach that goal? Because the thing is also with this coaching, there's always something you want to reach a goal. Usually you always have a problem to reach this goal and behind a goal and a problem, there lies a value, a value that got minimized by not reaching this goal. Interesting. So it's really interesting to find out with the people because you know what the problem is? Everybody comes up with its mind. They think they have this problem. They think they want to have this goal. And then you ask them, what kind of value did you get? Did you lose in this process? What was it? Was it recognition? Was it love? Was it whatever values you have in your life? And then they start thinking. And usually, and that's also amazing when somebody comes to you for coaching and their mind tells them it's this you start working with them you go deep down in their deep conscious and then there's something totally different coming out yeah. something they would have never guessed is the problem for all their little problems and that's amazing and very interesting that is very interesting it's Interesting in part because I was just speaking to some leaders about this last week with about coaching that uh, along the same lines that people, um, they come to coaching and they're talking about one thing. They're talking about one problem that they're trying to solve or one thing that is stopping them from achieving a certain goal. And through the course of you know, I mean, the coach obviously plays a role to to try to draw out from them and ask the, 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 the questions that, as you say, cause them to go deeper. But it's really the process of the client or the coachee who is willing to just throw it out there. And, and, and then, to your point, they go, oh, wow, <laughs> I yeah. never thought right. this was the problem, if you will. Yeah. That's fascinating. And that's very, and it's very fascinating for everyone itself to find that out. So that's really like great processes in life you can do. So I have a question for you. I'm going to ask you in a moment about the type of coaching that you do, the systemic coaching. I want to know a little bit more about that. But I also want to ask you the following question. So what would the 56-year-old Manuela say to the 17 or 18 year old Manuela. Now, what advice would you give her? 
you didn't know this was coming. Ah, that's tricky, Kevin. Well, then I'll you give know, you a moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I did this further coaching, I said to my teacher, I really, I said to her, I really regret I didn't know about this coaching like 20 years ago when I was maybe 30, 35. And then she said to me, no, Manuela, don't regret. Be happy you do it now because most of the people never do it all their life long. So now you still have the chance to have another 30 or 40 years of a great and happy life because you do the transformation now. And then I realized that I really thought about it. And then I realized I would have never, ever had the idea to do something like this at 17. And I still didn't know that at 30, it takes a sometimes, it takes a certain life experience, it takes a certain age in life that you think about your life. And you know, everybody knows when you start being 50, all these thoughts and everything, your mind is like a volcano and you think about it, now half my life is gone. What do I do for the rest of the life? What do I want to change? And it hits everyone. If you want or not, it's normal. And that's why usually around 50, all these transformations starts, all these transitions and not before. Very interesting. And so those things just must happen. Uh, that's a very interesting idea there. And it goes to the idea that you know, I think about my life. I mean, certainly there are many things that I I could say that I regret or that I wished I would. So, for instance, when I when I uh, graduated from high school, uh, I really wanted to go to college, but I really couldn't afford it. And and honestly, I was not ready in any shape or form to go to college. So I went into the military. But for many years, I regretted. I thought I should have gone to college. But now, you know, at this place in my life, I think if you change that, then you change this. And, you know, for instance, I can look at my daughters and my son and my wife that it's if this would have changed, if I went to college, this wouldn't have happened. So you can't really I mean, you, you can say, I wish I would have done this different or this different. You know, OK, I mean, it's OK. I think we all do that. But in the larger scheme of things, you can't look back and and not only not regret it, you have to say, OK, well, if you would have changed that, then. Maybe uh, you wouldn't have your kids or you wouldn't have this, right? That's right. And that's funny because my youngest son, he's 29. He recently said to me like, mom, I'm actually very sad because I think because of us four kids, you didn't have the life you wanted to have. And I said to him, no, that's not true. I really wanted to become a flight attendant. But of course, you four were in between and I'm so glad and I'm so happy that I have you because if I had become a flight attendant at 20, mm -hmm. like I would have probably knocked over every Swisser pilot and got married to three of them and have kids with all the three of them and would have had a messy life or whatever. So now I have these wonderful four <laughs> kids and I'm so glad it went the way it is. And once you really clean up everything, you are just thankful and grateful for the life you had. There's yeah. no reason to to regret anything. There's just like you're just like this even person at peace and 
you know, it's all fine. That's so beautifully said. And so just two quick questions before I get to the systemic coaching. One is that, you know, what would you then say to people who are 50 and older, maybe even 60, maybe even 70? And, you know, and maybe they haven't really gone through this process now, but they're instead looking at their life and saying, you know, wow, uh, you know, uh, you know, so what do you say to them? What I say to them, probably it's never too late to change. Yeah. And then people tell me, you know, at 60, you don't change anymore. And I tell them you can still change at 80. Great. And actually what I do, and I think that makes people think the most is when I tell them my story, mm. how I changed, when I changed and mm. why I changed and what it's doing with me. And actually the big thing is like with this social media, uh, I have so many requests, so many people want to meet me because they have an idea of how I am when they follow me on uh, social media. It's very interesting. And then I meet, I meet a lot of people, all the people that come from the States, from wherever, when they come to Zurich, I meet them for coffee, lunch or dinner, always take my time. And then they talk to me and then they're like, oh, wow, you are so normal. <laughs> and I said, well, what did you think who yeah. I am? I'm just a normal human being. Right. But you know, like, I think like when you have a lot of followers, people put you somewhere up in the, in the sky and then you are a star over there, but you're just a normal person. And it's really, really interesting that. Wow. That's wonderful. Okay. So then what would you now tell younger people? So I have daughters who's 23 and one's about to turn 27. And, you know, what would you say to younger? Let me just ask this and younger women then just about self-confidence and about happiness and so forth. I mostly tell the same. I, I ask, I actually ask them what they believe about themselves. Mm. And then I ask them, can you tell me five positive beliefs about yourself? And it's very funny. You have to do that when you're together with a, a bunch of people, not too many, ask everyone, tell me five positive things about yourself. Then people struggle. Maybe they tell you two things, maybe. And then you ask them, like, what um, What do you think is negative about yourself? Then they tell you five things, seven things. Very and good. then I tell them, so now we bury all the negative. We only talk about the positive beliefs about yourself. And then that's where really people, then because when they say it, they start, their mind starts to... And they realize that's actually interesting that I think so negative about myself. And then I tell them about this. And then I tell the, the young women, as long as you think negatively about yourself, you're not going to get forward because this is going to block you. This is going to knock you out at the point where you think you should succeed. And, you know, it's really funny. Not everyone needs a coaching, but only when I talk about these things, people start thinking about this and that's good. And actually that's what I want with everyone thinking about this, how they believe about themselves to realize why they are blocked in life sometimes. And it all starts with that. 
Wow. I mean, that's mind blowing. It's, you know, you, 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 you may be normal, but you have a really wonderful way of thinking about things and putting ideas forward. I'm just so impressed with that. So Manuela, tell me, by the way, I've been thinking very positively about myself and that I have hair, but it's not working. So I need to talk to you about that. I've been wishing for this for years now, and it's still, you know, it's it's terrible, man. So I'm not sure I completely agree <laughs> with you, but anyways. So listen, let me ask you this. Tell me about right. coaching a little bit. Yeah, it's actually how I how I said to you already, like somebody comes with uh, to you and says, he has a problem in a relationship. He has a problem at work. Um, you let them tell their story and then you ask them, like, what do they miss? What do you wish? What value do you miss from your boss or from your partner? And then you ask them, what do you think is the problem? Why don't you get it? Like, what is your behavior? And, you know, that's how you started, that people really think about this in a deeper way and that they also start realizing that everything in life has to do with yourself. It, everything starts with yourself. Like everyone is looking for happiness, for wealth, for entertainment everywhere else except with himself. So I know most of the people, they can't be alone because of this. And I always tell them, what are you afraid of when you are alone with yourself? That's the nicest time you can ever have. Mm. But most of the people can't do that. So it's like just confronting the people with, you just ask so many things then to kind of find out what it maybe could be, but you never say it, you never name it. It's all coming from the person itself. You just have to ask the right questions as we coaches say. Yes, And that's very also yes. a good point. But why do they use the word systemic? Because there's a certain system that you use? Because it's the system is with this, this goal that has a problem deep behind and it has to do with the value. So that means there is a system how you figure it all out. I see. And that's why it's called systemic because there are different points and they all go together because it doesn't work only the two of them together. There's yeah. always a value also behind that. Yeah, it's all connected. Yes, there's yes, there's a whole yeah. even even I don't know if you're familiar with, um, you know, Peter Sange. He talks a lot about in, not in coaching, but he's a he's a fascinating guy. He's written the Fifth Discipline, a bunch of different books, mostly on organizations, but also personal mastery. And he talks about the systems theory within organizations. In fact, he uses the idea that if the administrative assistant changes one thing, the effect that it has on the rest of the system can be very profound. And I just bring that up. So Manuela, can you, you know, we only have a few minutes here and, you know, I want to ask, first of all, where can people find you or how can they connect with you? You know, if, whether it's coaching or just to, you know, to watch your beautiful pictures on, uh, on LinkedIn. Okay. I have Instagram. My Instagram is, uh, account is called Zurich underline is underline beautiful. Okay. That's where I post daily pictures, impressions of Zurich. 
Then you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Manuela Leonhard. But the funny thing is on LinkedIn, they only accept 30,000 contacts. So for me, it's you can only follow me for the time being. Wow. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook on my real name too, Manuela Leonhard. Okay. And you can even write me an email. And that's very easy to manuela.leonhard at Zurich with you e r i c h dot c h. You can even send an email to me. Okay, and we will put all of that information in the notes after this sure. podcast. And uh, and people should know that this is the live stream, of course. But it will, you know, tomorrow it will turn into a podcast, and people I will post them in different places, and people can see this. So before we go. I want to mention. I want to uh, show just a, a couple of pictures first. That that you know, we had some that you posted. I I downloaded some of them, but then the, they were sort of pixelated. So, but we got some other ones that are very similar. So, Francisco, if you just put up, you know, like you know, this is beautiful Zurich. What are we looking at here, Manuela? That's actually the bridge right by the city hall. There's the Grossminster, the famous church of Zurich. And the building on the right side, the white one, is one of the city of Zurich's museums. Wow. So just absolutely gorgeous. You know, I have been to Switzerland three times, never to Zurich, though. Uh, I've, you know, what? To, what? I, what I a know, shame. I, I should probably say that. But, <laughs> but honestly, after seeing all the pictures, it, you know, we, Jane and I, we are going to visit Zurich. So what's the next one there, friend? That's the Opera Zurich. Opera House. a beautiful one on this with the Christmas lights, but we, again, it was just a little too big. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So it's very, very beautiful. And this is the part, I mean, I think when people see Switzerland, they usually see the Alps, you know, but the city is so beautiful. And then there's this other very interesting picture that I saw, uh, Francisco. Look at this one. What is that? <laughs> That's Santa Claus. That's Miss, Mrs. Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus. So anyways... Okay, Francisco, thank you very much. Well, listen, I have to say, I, I can't even let you go without telling you that, honestly, uh, when I think about if if there was another place in the world that I would live, it would be Switzerland. I, I even have a speech that I've, and I may have told you this on LinkedIn or something, that when I was traveling through, uh, mostly through Germany, coming down on the let's see, the, I guess the western border of Germany into Switzerland, and we get into Basel. And we were going to go to the, because uh, I was with my brother-in-law, we were going to go to Jungfrau, right? It's one of the more famous mm -hmm. alpine summits or whatever. And then he read in a book that they said, you know, really, you should go to Gimmelwald, which is a smaller, not so uh, touristy place. And I, and I, I, and we we actually went past Gimmelwald. We went to another one, I think, called Grindelwald or something. And so we missed it. We had to turn around and go back. And so by the time we get to Gimmelwald, so we get to a little town, I think it was called Steckelberg. We had to take the tram. Mm -hmm. You couldn't drive any farther. And then we went up to. So by this time, it was 11 o'clock at night. My brother-in-law, who had never been to Europe, and I lived in Europe when I was in the military in Germany, and so I was very familiar with, I'd been to the Alps and lived in Bavarian Alps. And these. So the point is, is I was familiar. I loved the Alps. I knew what, I was, what, what it was. But for him, it was 11 o'clock at night. He had no, it was very dark. So we get to this hotel and we get into a room 
And he had no idea what has transpired from the bottom until we got to the top. So there were two beds in the room. I said, sit, you know, you stay in this bed right here and a big window, big giant window next to where he was. And I got up an hour early because I wanted to see the look on his face when he looked out the windows, because now we're at the top of the Alps in Gimmelwald. And yeah. so I, I'm waiting and he's sleeping. And the bathroom was a very old hotel, like 1901 or 1910. So I had to go down the hall to go to the bathroom, but I didn't want to do that because then he would wake up and I would miss it. So I'm like, hurry up and wake up. So finally he gets up and he, he sits up and then he reaches over to get his glasses. He couldn't see him. And then he looks to the right. And he, this is this is exactly what I heard. <gasps> and no release. <laughs> And I said, Mark, are you okay? And he said, I just cannot believe what I'm looking at here. And so I wrote this speech called uh, Finding Gimmelwald, which means finding what takes your breath away. And it's a whole idea behind trying to find kind of what we're talking about here, your joy, your happiness, whatever the case might be. But I just have to tell you personally, especially as a someone who is so connected to you know, what happens in Zurich, you know, how it, how it's managed and, and you've been there all your life, that Switzerland is just absolutely one of the most beautiful countries in the entire world. I call it God's country. And so, um, Manuela, I, that means I'm an angel. <laughs> well then, there you are, you know, so you're an angel. Well, listen, you know, it is such a pleasure and such an honor to have you here. I'm so grateful for Thanks the time. Thanks very much. And listen, and the, the ideas and the information that you put forward here, I have no question in my mind that many are going to take away from these good ideas and and then to come the people who then listen to the podcast. So um, any parting words before uh, we finish here? Thank you very much for having me. It was the pleasure was all mine. It was great talking to you. And when you come to Zurich, we're going to go for dinner for very sure. <laughs> okay, Jane, you hear that. So we will we will do that. I, I can assure you that we will be visiting. Please. Uh, Eric. So thank you very, very much. God bless you. And listen, Merry Christmas. And I wish you the great uh, 2022. Likewise. Thanks very much. Bye, Kevin. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Well, listen, uh, you know, really what a, you know, I, I've, mentioned this before that these these live streams they're not they're not scripted i did not send a bunch of questions to manuela you know i just invite you know interesting and accomplished people and just let them tell their story and what they know and this was you know uh, just a, a wonderful um a, a wonderful lesson in you know bringing on you know people who have struggled and worked hard in life and paid attention to what's going on in their head, you know, have determination to become happier, have a determination to, to learn and grow, which is the mantra of this podcast. And so um, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for, for joining us. And uh, I will see you at least one more time before Christmas. But in the meantime, Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. God bless. I'm checking out.